Our scripture reading today comes from uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians in chapter 2. And I'll begin to read at verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, we uh, bow in your presence and humbly ask that you would reveal to us the living word in Jesus Christ. That you would help us to uh, sense and know and experience his resurrection presence in our midst and receive from him the guidance, the direction, the hope, the help, the healing that we need. Oh Lord, may we not hear, may we may not merely hear the words of a preacher, but somehow may we hear your word. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of each one of our hearts, be acceptable in my sight, O Lord, for you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this is probably a bad illustration to use here. In this beautiful, historic sanctuary that has such a deep heritage of wonderful, gifted, and trained musicians and music, you're blessed. 
In this pulpit, I happen to know you have had great orators who have preached to sophisticated, intelligent, and influential people like you. So please forgive my homespun illustration. It is a true confession. I listen to country music. Not all the time. Usually it's in my car whenever I'm by myself. So lately, I've been uh, watching through the PBS documentary by Ken Burns, Country Music. Fascinating film. It's about the history and the impact of country music upon our culture and how it has grown across the years since its uh, beginnings, uh, really in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the mountains and in the prairies of this great land. I finished the episode just the other day called Don't Get Above Your Raisins. It's a song by uh, Ricky Skaggs. It was done back in the 1980s. I I love that title, Don't Get Above Your Raisins. I remember whenever I first heard it, I thought, what on earth is he talking about? Raisins. Because I was thinking dried grapes, you know? And it seems to me you have to get above those, right? I mean, being below, think of a, a bowl of raisin brains. You know, being below the raisins probably isn't such a great idea. But, but that's not what he's talking about. In fact, uh, Ricky Skaggs is interviewed, and, and he explains that don't get above your raisins is a, uh, an old southern expression. It's, it's a thing that parents will tell to their children, our grandparents, to their grandchildren. And it, it means this. It, does, it means don't forget how you were raised. Don't forget the morals that you were taught, the work ethic, the love of family, you know, the core values. It's a, a warning to young people as they grow up and move out and go into the world not to forget who they are, but to hold on to their core values. Don't get uppity. Don't get arrogant. Remember who you are. That's really what Paul is trying to get across uh, uh, to the Philippians in in this uh, wonderful little book, the letter to the Philippians. And in this passage that I just read, he's trying to remind them of their core values how to treat each other, how to stay together in love and in unity, in common purpose. Even when we have times where we may disagree, don't get above your raisins, church, he's saying. Don't forget the way you were taught, the importance of maintaining humility with compassion, 
in your relationships in the body of Christ. So Paul makes this point by pointing to Jesus. And he writes some of the most beautiful words that are contained in the Bible. He he reminds us that Jesus Christ took the form of a servant. Actually, he uses a stronger term than that. A term that literally means, the Greek word is doulos. It means one who takes orders from another. One who does the bidding of another 24-7, all the time. Think about this with me. Jesus Christ took the form of a servant. Jesus Christ, who existed in the form of God, existed forever in that mysterious community that we call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, it's way beyond my understanding, but it says that Jesus Christ did not hold on, did not grasp, did not exploit that glorious, beyond human understanding form of life that is the very life of God, the mysterious life of God lived out in the community of the Trinity, the relationships between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's way beyond me, but that just has to be the most beautiful, the fullest, life of all, the deepest, highest, broadest type of love that there is, the most fulfilling relationships, the love that exists within God. But it says here that Jesus Christ did not exploit that. Actually, more literally, it means he did not hold on to it. But loosened his grasp willingly in obedience to God's mysterious plan and took the form of a servant. Christ takes on that form of life in order to fulfill God's purpose. Now, for Paul and for the early church, this is one of the foundational beliefs about Jesus. Jesus' humility. Jesus' willingness to take on a human form. Jesus' servanthood that led him all the way to a cross. It's a core value of our faith. In fact, many scholars believe that these words that, that we read, that some of these words are pulled out of, uh, of the earliest creed that was recited in the church. Before the Apostles' Creed was recited, they suggest that the church, when they gathered, would recite words about Jesus Christ that reminded them that Christ became a servant. And that this is to inform how you and I are to think. 
and how we are to act. Christian servanthood. <clears throat> I just want to take a moment to clarify it. Maybe you saw the film. It's, it's, it's been a while, but in 2006, there was a wonderful film called Amazing Grace, and it was the story of the, uh, of the 18th century abolitionist William Wilberforce. And in a part of that film, there's a scene where Wilberforce is being instructed on the horrors of African slavery by a man named Equiano. Equiano in that day was famous in his own right. He was a former slave who had been educated and had become an important abolitionist in his own right. And he has instructing Wilberforce and another group of English abolitionists on what it's like to be a slave. And he stands before them and he unbuttons his shirt. And he reveals his bare chest and he points to a brand that had been placed there. And he says, they do this to remind you that you no longer belong to God, but to a man. That's not the servanthood of Jesus. It's not the servanthood to which we are called. Servanthood doesn't mean putting up with abuse. It doesn't mean allowing ourselves to be demeaned or pushed around by bullies. What it really means is what Equiano was implying. It means that we belong to God and to God alone. We are the servants of God and of no other power or authority. Jesus' servanthood is his willingness, his free will offering of himself to sacrifice his life for God's purpose. A strong, powerful stance. I will do God's bidding. alone. The power of a servant of God. In our United Methodist membership vows, uh, there's a, a great question. Will you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I love that. Freedom and power come to us from God as we willingly give ourselves to serve God and work for God's purposes. even resisting evil, 
even working against oppression, even standing for God in a world that seems to be going the other direction. That's the nature of Jesus' servanthood. It's anything but weak. Servanthood is powerful when it is service to God. Service is powerful because it is powered by God. So in this church, you have a rich legacy. You can be so proud of who you are as a community of faith and the legacy that you have uh, in this community and, and in this region about serving God both in this community and, and by extension all around the world. Your pastor, Reverend Ron Collado, has done a great deal in this church to maintain that legacy and to keep you faithful and to get you engaged in the community. This July, you'll be receiving a new pastoral leader. Your beloved pastor, Sarah, is going to be transitioning into that paradise that we call retirement. And it's well-deserved. Her legacy of maintaining service to your community and to the world and to those in need sets a high standard. And I want you to know that I believe that our bishop has discerned a pastoral leader with the gifts and the graces to carry that legacy forward. I'm so glad you had some flowers on the altar for Sarah's birthday because in these days, you need to take the time to cherish her ministry and your moments with her and to celebrate and honor that even as you pledge to continue on the work which she has fostered among you. Transition's always a tough thing in a church. It, it really is. And so my word of caution really is what Paul would have to say to the Philippians today, and that is, don't get above your raisins. Cling to the core. It brings grief when we say goodbye to a beloved pastor, especially one who's been here for so many years and has such deep roots in this community. It might bring some disappointment uh, or some anger or some worry. There's a new person coming with a different personality and a different perspectives, a different way of doing things. Cling to the core. Remember who you are. As you move forward, remember that you will continue to be committed 
to that core, to the legacy that you have. So I just invite you to be gentle with yourselves and with, the, with each other. Don't stress. Focus on the freedom and power that God gives and allow that freedom and power to flow through you uh, as you, uh, you, you, you walk that line, do that dance of, of, of uh, celebrating who you are and where you have been and looking forward to what God intends to do in this place in the future. Hear once more the words of, uh, of Paul. If then, as there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the Spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit. But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, in uh, these moments, renew us in our faith and fill us afresh with your peace and your power. May we embrace the mind of Christ and be filled with Christ's thoughts and be powered by Christ's motives and imitate Christ's actions in the days ahead. Not for our sakes do we pray, but for the sake of the whole body of Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.